welcome. My name is Glenn Lundy. Super excited to be launching our new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Can you believe it? That's right. The Breakfast with Champions podcast has finally arrived. This is your opportunity to get motivation, education, and inspiration every single day. And ultimately, your opportunity to get a seat at the table, to be a fly on the wall, to listen in to some conversations between some of the most amazing superhumans from around the planet. We're talking about people that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. We've got celebrity interviews with people like Tiffany Haddish and Grant Cardone, Lauren Rittiger. We've got specialists in areas like capital ventures, right? Or wealth building, wealth management, real estate, all kinds of incredible conversations. And what's amazing about the Breakfast with Champions podcast is you're going to be able to tune in, listen in. They won't even know you're there, right? It's just like you're, you're, you're listening in on all these incredible secrets of some of the most successful humans from all around the world. You know, when we launched Breakfast with Champions, we had no idea of the power that it was gonna have. We had no idea of the collaborations it would create. We had no idea that we'd be able to connect humans from England and Australia and Saigon and America, of course, all together in one room having powerful conversations that elevate everyone in the experience. Listen, if you like these episodes of Breakfast with Champions, do me a huge favor and let us know. We would greatly appreciate it. We pour into this. You're going to get five to six hours of content every single day, Monday through Friday, five days a week. You can keep coming back. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'd appreciate it. Drop your comments, share your thoughts and your reviews. It would mean the world to us if you would do that. And in exchange, we promise you that we will always create a space, a safe space where you can come. You're not going to get politics here. It's not going to happen. You'll never see any type of division in here. It's actually exactly the opposite. We have a bunch of different people with different belief systems, different upbringing, different backgrounds. We've got people from all different ethnicities all coming together. But the one thing that we share is everyone in this room shares the same heart. And it is a heart to elevate you, to encourage you, to inspire you, and to help you become the absolute best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So if you would, do us a favor, write those reviews, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends. We're going to be here, and we hope that you will be too. Enjoy Breakfast with Champions. You'll see there in the notes that you can skip forward. You can move back. If you need to pause it for a minute, you'll now have that opportunity to do so. We do record these daily on Clubhouse. We have a Breakfast with Champions Club there, or you can follow me, Glenn Lundy. If you'd like to see those rooms, if that's an app that you enjoy, you can always come in and tune in live, or of course, just sit back and enjoy right here on the podcast and anywhere your podcast can be found. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to spend this time with you. I know that there are a trillion places you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions. And that means the world to me. And I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much. Everybody, happy new Monday, happy new week, happy new opportunity. Hope everybody had a great weekend and is looking forward to whatever you have planned this week and 
since it is Monday and we are heading into a new week, I feel like today's topic will be a good fit for a good new start for all of us, whether that's a new start on uh, continuing your uh, ongoing success or you need to turn things around. You need a change of environment or a change of energies. And the topic here today is going to be about your personal and professional culture. Culture, C-U-L-T-U-R-E. What does that mean? What is it about? And how can you make sure that you're taking control over yours and how that culture works? Now, before I get into this, to give uh, everyone a quick background on who you're listening to. Now, my name is Drake Baldwin. I'm a former nine-year pro athlete, uh, author of 29 books. I created this whole uh, brand and philosophy, this framework that is called Work On Your Game. It's all about taking the mental tools and the mental requirements that are necessary to succeed in sports and applying those aspects, applying those attributes to business and to everyday life, usually around areas of strategy, accountability, and execution. So on this topic of personal and professional culture, the reason why I'm talking about this is because I'm a person who's very big on, especially coming from the sports world, I'm very big on standards. Very big on accountability, whether that's accountability from someone else, whether it's accountability, starting with yourself accountability, because more accountable you can be to yourself, more accountable you are capable of being with other people. And this is something that I talked about last week and making sure that you're not crossing that line of being accountable, and that, but at the same time, not beating yourself up. And the culture is where it starts, because your culture is really all about how accountable do you allow yourself to be? How much do you hold yourself accountable? What are your standards? What is what is acceptable? What is not acceptable? So getting into this, let's see what I have here. I got three points that I'm going to share, and hopefully you have some time when I'm done here for uh, some commentary and questions or follow-up or feedback if anyone wants to offer it. So let's get right into it. First of all, let's get clear on what this word culture means. And for those of you who are not uh, very familiar with me, one thing that I always like to do is any word or phrase that I'm talking about, I like to offer a clear definition of the word as I'm speaking about it so that we are all on the same page. Because these days things can get kind of twisted up with uh, definitions of words being changed and you know, we may be talking about the same word, but on two different pages of the book. So first, let's be clear on the definition of culture straight from the dictionary, Google dictionary, that is, is, quote, the customs, arts, social institutions, and achievements of a particular nation, people, or other social group. Close quote. In other words, culture are, what are the things that we're used to? What are the things that we hold as standards? What are the things that we expect from ourselves and what we expect of each other? So if you look at every group that you're a part of, whether it's your family, the neighborhood that you live in, a sports team that you play on, a business that you're a part of, they all have a culture. Now, some cultures are clearly defined and people are very intentional about upholding those cultures. And some cultures, they're not kind of not defined at all. And usually when there is no definition and no one is taking control of what this culture is and how we're going to hold each other accountable or what the standards are, what usually happens in any organization, and that organization can be one person, by the way, is that it falls into what we call entropy. Entropy is the third, third law of thermodynamics. And in basic language, I'm not a scientist, but in basic language, entropy states that any entity that is, does not have standards, it is not held under control, and it's kind of left to its own devices, 
eventually it descends into chaos. That's what happens when there is no culture, when there are no standards, when there is no accountability, things descend into chaos. So this is why the best organizations, whether again, that can be your family, it can be you as an individual person, it can be a team you're a part of, a job that you work at, the best ones have a very, very strong and clearly defined culture. An example of this is, I remember hearing uh, Jeff Bezos talking about Amazon. I don't know if it's still the case how it is now, but it was a few years ago he said, listen, this is the kind of place that if you want to have work-life balance and you're not into working 70-hour weeks and you want to make sure you can spend the weekends with your kids and you want to make sure you make all the soccer games, this is probably not the place for you to work. This is probably not the place for you to be in management because that's not the culture here. That's not the way we do things. He is clearly letting everybody know these are the standards. All right, this is what's going to be expected of you. And if you want to be part of this organization, here's what we're expecting of you. That's a clear culture. It's not about whether anyone agrees with it or not. It's making sure it's clear what it is. And he, being the person at the top, has to do that. Households have cultures. Everyone here, wherever you live, there's a culture there, whether you know about it or not. Have you ever, just think about this, has any of you ever gone to someone else's home and when you walk in the home, they either ask you or maybe you did it habitually or maybe you just noticed you took your shoes off when you walked in. In my house, you got to take your shoes. I can't walk in with your, your outside shoes in my house. That's the culture. That is part of the culture. It might be a small thing, but it's part of the culture in some entities and some uh, organizations, some environments. There's a couple in my building, for example. I'll give you an example here. <laughs> I was in the elevator. This was this is a couple months ago. I haven't seen them for a while. Maybe they moved out. There's a couple in my building who got in the elevator with their dog. There's a man and a woman, and they had the dog. And this dog smelled terribly. This was one of the worst smelling dogs I've ever smelled. It's kind of like any of you who's ever had a dog. The dog gets wet, and the dog smells bad. This is like the dog had gotten wet like 20 times, and they didn't bathe it like any one of the 20 times. The dog smelled really, really bad. And they're in there and they didn't seem like this was any, didn't seem abnormal to them. And I'm thinking to myself, I wonder what their place smells like if a dog smells like that. And I'm, I'm sharing that story, not to shame these people, you don't even know who they are. But the point is, that, that was their culture. That clearly must be acceptable for them because the smell of that dog was so strong, there's no way they couldn't notice it. And there's no way it's not permeating their entire home. It smelled like a wet dog, but the dog wasn't even wet. But that must be part of their culture, as I said. Another example, when I was in uh, college playing basketball my sophomore year, this uh, new coach that I was playing for announced to us at the beginning of the season, we had a meeting and he said, listen, every day when we have practice, whatever time I state that practice is, you need to be dressed on the floor and ready to practice 15 minutes prior to that time. So if I say practice is at four o'clock, you need to be on the court dressed and ready to play at 345. Not at 350, not at 359, at 345. The only exception is if you are coming from class, then you can actually show up, you know, quote unquote, on time. His whole thing was early as on time. And again, not about whether we agreed with it or not. We didn't, we didn't really have a choice. He was the boss. But the whole point was he was setting the culture. He was letting us know how he wanted things to be. Another example down here in uh, Miami, the Miami Heat basketball team has been led by their president, their decision maker, a guy named Pat Riley. Now, Pat Riley is a legendary, was a legendary coach. He was a player first, then a legendary coach, won a lot of championships with the L.A. Lakers back in the 80s, 
Then he coached the New York Knicks for a while, won championship with the Miami Heat also uh, several years back. One of the things that Pat Riley says about the Miami Heat, and this is part of what they call heat culture, hashtag heat culture, is, quote, we're going to be the best conditioned, hardest working, most professional, unselfish, toughest, nastiest, and most disliked, disliked team in the NBA, close quote. What he's letting everybody know is this is the culture here. Here's how we do things. And if you don't fit what I just said, then you probably don't want to come play for this team. So knowing what the culture is, the reason why it's such an important thing for all of us as individuals and in business is that when we know exactly what our culture is, we know what our standards are, we know what we're looking for. And also, most importantly, probably, is we know what we're not looking for. We know what we want, but more importantly, we know what we don't want. And when we know what we don't want, it's easy, it's much easier to exclude things. It's much easier to cut things out. It's much easier to say, okay, this is an absolute no. We're not going with this one right here. The culture around you determines what you will accept, what's accepted of you, how you're going to show up every day, and how you expect everybody else to do the same. In business, for example, and this is something that I've talked about extensively, but I'll just mention it here. When you, and this is not just for business, I said in business, but this could be for anything. When you raise the bar, in other words, you set a strong culture, you set strong standards, you make sure that everyone knows exactly what is expected of them and those standards are high and they're being upheld and enforced and people are being held accountable for them. When you raise the bar, what happens is you eliminate all the losers. You eliminate the losers when the bar gets raised. The higher the standards are, the fewer losers will be capable of clearing that bar. Thus, you get rid of them. You eliminate them. And as a matter of fact, if you have an organization that is in a state of entropy, i.e. a state of chaos, but you raise the bar, let's say a new CEO comes in or a new boss or a new coach comes in and they raise the bar, automatically what happens? All the losers find the exits pretty quickly. Usually you don't even have to fire them. They'll quit when the bar gets raised. On the other hand, though, this also happens whenever you lower the bar, whenever you remove accountability, when you remove standards, when you stop holding people to a certain level of performance and you allow more entropy, more chaos to come into an organization, what happens? You lose the winners, the high level people, the people who want to be held accountable, the people who want to perform at a high level, the people who want someone to tell them, hey, you need to step your game up. Hey, this is not up to standard. Hey, you need to do a little bit better at what you're doing. The people who want that, high-level performing people want that. They want to know what the culture is. They want to know what the accountability is. They want the standards. They want everyone else to be at the same level that they're at. When you remove those standards, the winners will find the exits. They will leave, not because they can't you know, hit the, the clearly lower standards. They can Clearly, they can hit them, but because the standards aren't high enough to keep them sharp and keep them on point and keep them at the level that they're at, they'll leave and go find somewhere else where they will be held accountable to where they will be asked to perform at the level that they're actually capable of performing at, not where they're being asked to only do, only do about 50% of what you're capable of. High-level people don't want that. They want to be held to those standards. So you need to look at, for yourself personally and with any organization you're a part of, what are the standards? Because those standards are going to determine who you attract. They're also going to determine who you keep. So if you were to look at your business, for example, 
and you notice that you're attracting a lot of low-level clients, and this is by your determination of what low-level is, whether it's the type of people, whether it's money that they're spending, whether it's questions that they're asking, whether it's how much help you need to give them. If you don't like the level of people that are coming around you, then it's not them that is the issue. It is not necessarily you as a person, but it's the standards that you've set. It's the environment that you've created. It is the culture that they're noticing, and that's why they're being attracted to you. They're the people who you don't want around should be able to look at you without going deep with you and know, okay, I don't belong here because I see the culture is one way and I'm not willing to fit that. That's something that you set up. And I call this, some people may call it when you're trying to bring people in, they call it attraction marketing. I don't know if people even use that phrase anymore, but you all know what it means. I also like the idea of rejection marketing. When rejection marketing is just the inverse of attraction marketing. I'm going to market in such a way that the people who I don't want know that I don't want them. They know that they shouldn't come around here. Like to give you a, another practical example, there was a building I was living in uh, not too long ago, and they had a, this really on-point security staff. The culture of the security staff was really, really good. If anyone came to the, the pool in the buildings, they had certain rules. that You can't bring any kind of glass bottles to the pool. You can't play a stereo out loud at the pool and the pool opened at a certain time and it closed at a certain time. And if you were there before it was open or after it was closed, they would immediately come and let you know and you had to get out of there. There would always be two of them. They were always very professional, but they never missed anything. If you came out too early, they caught you. If you, came, if you were out there too late, they caught you. If you brought music or food, they caught you. And they were on point every single time. And they caught me a couple times and kicked me out of the pool a couple times. Not in a negative way, but maybe it's midnight. Hey, the pool's closed. I had to leave. Or one time I was up there early in the morning getting ready to go out for a run. I was just using the pool deck. I wasn't even in the water. But they saw me and they said something. They sent me a letter. And I respected it because they upheld their... They upheld the standards every single time. They did it with everybody. I saw them do it with other people. They did it with me and they upheld the standards. I respected that because their culture was we stay. Hey listeners, if you enjoy listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. Do you want to know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five, five simple steps to an extraordinary morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorning5.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day. We're on point, we're focused, we notice everything, and we catch everything. Whereas at other places that I live, they didn't catch anything. You go out there an hour before it was open, you could be violating the rules, nobody said anything. And I didn't respect it because the culture wasn't being upheld, or at least the rules that they said they had. Point number two talking here today about your personal and professional culture. The most scarce resource that all of us have is time. Of the five forms of investment that I talk about, time, money, attention, energy, focus, time is the one that you can't get back. Once that time is invested, it's pretty much gone. So when we're talking about culture, my question for you to answer, this is a rhetorical question from me to you, but it's not a rhetorical question from you to you, is where and how are you using your time? Because that'll tell you a whole lot about your culture. Where and how are you using your time? The use of your time is a reward to whatever you spend the time on. In other words, if you're using your time playing video games and you're rewarding the video games, you use your time on building your business and you're rewarding your business. Use your time on going to the gym, you're rewarding your fitness and you're rewarding the gym. 
So you're giving a reward to anything or anyone to whom you give your most valuable resource. I mean, just think about that. You take the most valuable thing that you own and you give it to someone or something else, then clearly you value that thing or that person. So if you're finding yourself spending a lot of time on things that you say consciously that you don't value, then there's a conflict there between your investments and what you say your ideas are. But when it comes to culture, we got to look at your actions. Where are you investing your most valuable resource? This is a, a question that you don't want to ask yourself this question just one time. This is a question you should be asking yourself every single day. Who am I spending time with? Where am I spending time at? What am I spending time on? Because when that time runs out, again, we all know the game, the big game is completely over. We've all heard the concept that what we pay attention to grows. What you focus on, you get more of. What you don't focus on, it ignores the strengths and it goes away. And as an athlete, for example, playing basketball, many of the coaches, so some of the coaches, let me say, some of the coaches I had, we would spend almost all of our practice time on defense. We wouldn't really spend much time on working on offense and scoring the ball, which is the fun part in basketball. We would spend all our time on the hard part, which is playing defense, uh, how are we going to rotate if this happens we do this and there's the place you need to be and here's the place you need to be and every coach would emphasize uh, the way you're going to get on the floor actually get playing time in the game there's that word time again is by defense or we would practice on execution on offense in the half court all right here's how we run the plays run the play over and over and over again even though our teammates who are on defense know exactly what we're trying to do and they're stopping the play because we can't because they know exactly what where where the ball's supposed to go on other teams for example though in contrast there were other teams we would always just work on shooting or we would just do full court scrimmaging over and over again. That's all we would do every single day. The whole point being how we used our time usually ended up being reflected in how we performed on the court. And the teams that the best teams that I played on usually were the teams that just had the most talent, honestly. But the teams that we focused on shooting a lot, we scored a lot of points. The teams that we focused on defense, we didn't score a lot, but we had a pretty solid defense. Usually you get what you invest your time in. So wherever you're investing your time, that's where you're gonna get your highest ROI. So when it comes to culture, simple question and answer for yourself is, where am I getting the highest ROI in my life or in my work right now? It's usually the places where you're spending the most time. And if you wanna change that equation, all you have to do is change your time investment allotments. Point number three, we are talking here today again again about your personal and professional culture. Ideally, in a perfect world, you can show the people around you how following the culture that you have created, whether, again, it's your personal culture or an organizational culture, show people how following the culture leads to results, kind of results that people actually want, and or, conversely, how not following the culture leads to bad results, things that people don't want. A simple example of this, a practical illustration would be if you're working at a job and the boss says, everybody be at work at or be at work on time. Or if you're scheduled to be on at work at two o'clock, be here at two o'clock. I remember when I was working at my first job out of college, I was working at Foot Locker as an assistant manager. And it was this guy named I remember when I when I first got there, I didn't even have a car. So I would catch public transportation to get to work. And it was kind of far away from where I lived. So the bus would get me to, it would come to the mall that I worked at maybe once an hour. So if I had to be to work at two o'clock, I either could catch the bus that got me there right at two o'clock on the dot, which would have technically made me late. 
is it to walk from the bus stop to inside the mall to the Foot Locker store, I would be a few minutes late. Or I could catch the bus that got me there at one o'clock and be there an hour early, quote unquote early. Now me, I'm a person who's always lived by early is on time, on time is late, late is forgotten. So I would always catch that one o'clock, metaphorically, met one o'clock bus to be there an hour early. But I had a co-worker, this guy named Brian, he wasn't a manager, he was an hourly employee. He would catch that two o'clock bus. This was just his mentality. He would show up a few minutes late every single time. And the head manager there, this guy named Keith, warned Brian, let him know, like, hey, you need to stop coming to work late, come to work on time. And Brian would protest and respond by saying, well, look, the bus only gets here at this time. If I catch the other bus, I'll be here like an hour early with nothing to do. And Keith didn't offer him any solutions. He just let him know, like, don't be, don't be late to work anymore. Finally, one day, Brian shows up late, catch that two o'clock bus, walks in at 2.03. As soon as he walks in, he says, give me your shirt, you're fired. The whole point being, he was letting, not only, well, Brian was fired, so he, wasn't, he didn't work there anymore, but everybody else who worked there, the story got around. I wasn't even there that day when it happened. The word got around, all right, you show up late here, you want to get fired. This is a way that you let people know that this culture is not just something that I'm saying. It's not just a plaque that we put up on the wall. It's not just something that we printed in the employee handbook. It's not just some phrase or slogan that you're going to memorize. It will actually be enforced. And if you do not uphold this culture, then we're going to get your ass out of here. You want to let other people know, again, individually and at your work, that following the culture leads to things that you want, not following the culture, these are things that you don't want. Going back to my example of Pat Riley uh, down here with the Miami Heat, this guy's won a whole lot of championships as a coach as a and also as an executive. So whenever a player is thinking about coming and joining the Miami Heat, a player who uh, ostensibly Pat Riley wants on the team, he's going to let him know how following the culture has led to success. To give an example, I don't know if people know this story, but when LeBron James was thinking about coming to the Miami Heat back in 2010, such a long time ago, it seems. But back in 2010, when LeBron was thinking about coming here, he had a meeting with Pat Riley. Now, at this point, LeBron had not won any championships. Pat Riley had maybe five or six championships. He, according to the legend, during this meeting, Pat Riley pulled out all of his championship rings and he threw them on the table where LeBron was sitting. And he said to him, okay, following my culture has got you, has got me these. If you want some of these, then you should probably come here because this culture creates champions. And, I mean, long story short, LeBron James joined the Miami Heat, and he did actually win a couple of those rings. This is why not only does your culture need to be clear, it needs to be clearly articulated and upheld by you, but also you want to have some proof, some social proof that following your culture actually leads to positive outcomes. This is why... We put testimonials on our sales pages. This is why when we want to make ourselves look good and we apply for a job, we offer references. Usually we supply references to people who are going to say some good stuff about us, right? Not people who are, going to, who are neutral on us who might say something negative. You want some proof that following your culture and following your modus operandi leads to the outcomes that people actually want. So as much of that proof that you can gather, the better, because that's your sales pitch. Uh, proof is much better sales pitch than just you talking about how good you are and how great your culture is. It's actually showing, hey, you want this outcome or you want to have big muscles like this guy? Okay, all you got to do is follow my eight-week strength training program 
like he did, and you get the outcome. Now, this is why in, in fitness, every fitness trainer has a whole bunch of before and after pictures all through their, their socials, all on their marketing, all on their websites. Why? Letting you know, all right, here's my program. Look at this guy. Look at this girl. Look at him right here. Look at this person lost 60 pounds. Look at this guy's eight pack. What are they letting you know? They're letting you know that I have a culture, I have standards here, I have a process. When they followed it, they got this outcome. If you want this outcome, all you have to do is the same thing that they did. That that way, when people look at it, it kind of becomes their idea and not your idea. But if you have enough leverage in, you know, in your position, with whatever you've achieved to this point, you can impose your ideas for long enough for them to see the outcomes that come with it. Let me give you an example of this. You think so, that was a hot mic, Dre? You think that was a hot mic? I don't know what that was. What was it? A hundred percent. That was a mic on fire. Go, brother. Go, brother. Go, brother. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, uh, last example here is uh, Shaquille O'Neal. I think everybody knows who he is. When he wrote in one of his books. He had a couple of them. But in one of his books, he wrote about when Phil Jackson came to coach the L.A. Lakers. Now, this is 1999. Phil had just finished coaching you know, some guys named Michael and Scotty, won a bunch of championships in Chicago. And now he's coming to coach the Lakers, who were a good team, but not a great team. They hadn't won any championships with this this group of players and their best guys, you know, Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant. They hadn't won any championships yet. And Shaq tells the story of how early in training camp, that first season with Phil Jackson coaching, that some of the Lakers players were kind of sniping back at Phil with the things that he was coaching them on. So they're in practice and he's telling them, do this, do this. And he's correcting them and, you know, holding them accountable and things like that. But some of the players, and these are not, you know, these guys were not quite young players. They were kind of entering their prime. They had been in the league in a while, for a while. They had some success, but not too much. And Phil was kind of getting annoyed with the fact that these players were talking back to him in practice. And according to Shaq's story, Phil Jackson uh, stop practice, and he said to all the players who were gathered there, he said, listen, if Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen can listen to me, you motherfuckers shouldn't be saying shit. Close quote. And Shaq said, after that point, nobody questioned Phil anymore. And those of you know sports, Lakers went on to win the next three championships. The whole point here, the reason I'm telling that story is to drive home the point of this third point is that when you have enough leverage and you have enough proof that your culture works, and Phil Jackson already had it, he had a bunch of championship rings already, and he's talking to a guy who had zero, he was able to say to them, listen, I already know that my way works. Your way is the one that doesn't work. So we're not, we're not equals here. It's not, we're not weighing whether your way versus my way works. My way already is proven, so I'm in charge. And after he said that, everybody fell in line. Most importantly, their best player, Shaquille O'Neal, and they went on to win championships. So let me recap these three points. And we got a couple minutes here. And I will uh, take some questions or comments if there are any. We're talking about your personal and professional culture. Point number one, just understanding what culture is that you need to set it and make sure it is in place and make sure everybody knows what it is. If there is no culture, then any organization will fall into a state of entropy, which is a state of chaos when there is no organization. Number two, your most scarce time, scarce resource is time. How and when and where are you using it will tell you a lot about your personal and professional culture. And number three, ideally, you want to show people that following your culture leads to results or have enough proof 
that following your culture leads to results that you don't even have to say it. People already know it and they will be, they will show up ready and willing to follow you. Like a Phil Jackson, like Pat Riley, like the fitness trainer who got a bunch of before and after photos on her Instagram. All that said, anyone want to offer a question, comment, feedback, anything I've said, please unmike. I'd love Great. to jump in if I if I can. My name is Sarah Martin, hey, Sarah. Uh, Web3 Sarah. And, you know, I it, at our company, I have an events production agency, and it is a very stressful industry. And so my um, the majority of my staff are mothers, uh, oddly enough. And so family comes first and also maintaining um, a level playing ground when it comes to not burning out is is a very high priority for my team um, that I set. But what I think stands out for me most is the leadership. You have a vein of, of uh, thought process that's tied around leadership. And one of my areas that I struggle with the most is probably consistency. I love the shiny new toy. And so I think leading the company not as a shiny new toy and leading the company with consistency stands out for me for what all you just said so i really appreciate you taking the time to share all this with us today 100 uh, sarah thank you for sharing and consistency definitely a big thing in in my world so you nailed that on the head thank you Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.